When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into another edition of the Wolverine.com postgame show here on the aforementioned Wolverine.com YouTube channel. You can also listen after the fact uh, in our podcast feed. So wherever you get your shows, uh, be sure to subscribe there. Leave a like on this video, subscribe to the channel, all those good things. Before we get into game talk, of course, uh, we will discuss Michigan's 34-3 win over the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, Former Michigan defensive lineman Ryan Van Bergen here with me as he is every week. But before we do that, I just want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at Lewis Jewelers, who is the sponsor of our Saturday post-game shows. Uh, Keith and the team over there have been so incredibly supportive of, of our site, of our magazine, of the post-game shows throughout the season. Uh, be sure to, to give Lewis Jewelers, uh, if you're in the Ann Arbor area, give them your business. It is where Ann Arbor gets engaged. So thanks to the folks over there for that. So, all right, there are... A multitude of directions we can go with this one. I think first we start with the good. The good, I mean, just another casually dominant game. I mean, Michigan has not played a four-quarter game this year uh, for the most part. This this was as methodical as it gets. This was as businesslike as it gets. Uh, I saw a tweet, and I forget who it was from. If you're someone who listens to the show, feel free to, to tweet me about it, tweet us about it. Someone said, it's boring. It was a boring game, but if it was interesting, then it would be mean very bad things for Michigan. So Ryan, pretty casual, uh, casual blowout of what has been a year of casual blowouts and route to a 10 and no record. It was, and it was more of the same as far as we're on brand Michigan's brand of football. I think we're pretty committed to being a physically tough team that relies on our defense to keep points off the board. And we're going to grind you out offensively and run the ball down your throat. Uh, I saw a graphic that Blake Corum, I think um, a good portion of his runs came through the middle to get 125 yards just through the middle between the tackles. Uh, None of those really big banging, you know, long runs, but just consistent. And, I think that's a credit to the offensive line. No Trevor Keegan today. Uh, so we said some guys stepping in to substitute for some guys that are down in the offensive line. And that's one thing that's really a tribute to a good team is you have a next man up mentality and still are able to execute the game plan as if you have your normal starting five. So, uh, you know, offensively, the offensive line running backs, I think, did a great job. Thought we had some opportunities for receivers to make plays, especially in the first half. Weather, obviously, not that great. So, that probably impacts it a little bit, but uh, still missing some of that downfield part of our offense. But luckily we have the best ground game in the country to rely on. Yeah, we'll run through some of the numbers here. I mean, it was just complete and utter domination for most of this game for Michigan, 412 total yards, 264 on the ground. Another great day there. I think they're averaging about 250 on the year. So they're over that Uh, 148 yards passing. We'll talk about the passing game. I'm already seeing a ton of questions about it. Trust me, we will get to it. Uh, 27 first downs to eight for Nebraska. Uh, Four for 10 on third down, two for two on fourth down. They ran 69 total plays in this game. Average six yards per play, yada, yada, yada. Dominated time of possession, 35 35 minutes to 24 and a half for uh, Nebraska. No turnovers. Again, another clean game. So, yeah, I mean, on the in the stat sheet, this will go down as, as a dominant win against the Nebraska team. I believe I saw that before the game. This was a the largest point spread. Michigan was a 30-point favorite in this game. This was the largest point spread that Nebraska's ever had in the history of its program, and Michigan found a way to cover it late. So credit to them there. Uh, it was a little bit sloppy early on just in terms of a uh, little bit windy. There were some snow flurries, though nothing really uh, – Nothing stuck to the ground. Actually, in a lot of ways, it was similar to that Ohio State game last year. But um, I don't. I, I think we need to. The direction we go is addressing the elephant in the room. And and I know Ryan. A lot of times we've talked about how this whole thing now is a build up to the Ohio State game. You're ten and zero for the first time since 2006. I think the last time they did it before then was 1997. So again, you're still doing these things you haven't done as a program. You know, in at least you know 15 to 25 years, but 
we've talked about it before where when you play Ohio state, it doesn't need to be fight fire with fire, which we saw last year, Michigan dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They, they took care of business on the ground. And as we've said, when you do that, you get to dictate what a football game looks like. That being said, I'm starting to get a little concerned of not, not concerned. Concern was a couple of weeks ago, starting to get a bit irked by what this, the, the shape that this passing game has, has taken uh, JJ McCarthy, was I pull up the stats here eight for 17, 129 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, great. Uh, no real huge standout moments for him in the game, but uh, under 50% for the second week in a row. Ryan, these wide receivers, um, they're just sleepwalking through games right now. I mean, I, I, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, concentration drops from, from guys like Ronnie Bell. Cornelius Johnson still it looks like he's kind of in the doghouse right now after dropping a pass or one going through his hands earlier that probably should have been a positive play for Michigan. They're they're not they're not creating separation down the field. Nebraska was playing their corners and their secondary up tight. Uh, you know the sh- some of the shots were there and and JJ wasn't quite perfect. It's you know this isn't this isn't playing possum. This is a lack of execution and to call a spade a spade with the wide receivers. It's a lack. It's a troubling lack of player development to me that we're 11 weeks into the season and, and guys just are not making plays. There's no impact. And that's something that I feel like we're missing is that impactful receiving presence, especially when you talk about the last game of the season, I'd love to see us go in there and dominate and be able to have our rushing, running game go the way that it's gone through the last 10 games. But in the event that Ohio State gets out, Ohio State we know can pile up points in a hurry. In the event that Ohio State gets out to a two-score lead early, then all of a sudden what do we do as Michigan? Because we're not a team that is built to play from behind, especially in a hostile environment when momentum is swinging the other way. So it's definitely something that's concerning, but I do I am encouraged by the fact that I feel like the receivers are being rotated, the targets are being being spread around. They're begging someone to go out there and impact this game, and guys just aren't stepping up and doing it. Uh, I got to believe that we have the uh, talent at that position. We've got some depth at that position, but so far no one has been a physical presence and gone and got the ball. Even on the deep balls today that you saw, our receivers, I consider it allowing yourself to be squeezed away from the ball. They're counting on a on a call from a referee, even though, yeah, the, the D-back's got his head turned and he's using his off arm and pushing him off his path. you got to be more physical and stay your, stay your course and, and go help your quarterback out and win some balls. You know, outside of the Ronnie Bell play, which honestly, with the way it finished and almost went out of the end zone for a touchback that was almost a disaster but outside of that the receivers don't have an impact on the game they're just extra blockers and I know that we ask them to block more regularly than most other teams but they have to be able to make an impact in the passing game and um, I think a good portion of the blame goes to the receiving core and there is a part of it that goes to McCarthy I honestly think that he has not developed and maybe even taken some steps back with regards to how he throws his deep balls when we first saw this kid he was slinging them and putting lots of air underneath him very comfortable throwing the ball down the field now I feel like a downfield shot comes and he gets a little nervous and uh, it's not trending in the right direction and it's the one thing that I feel like offensively that if we had this bullet in the gun it'd be really nice going into Columbus Yeah, and no one's asking them to turn into Texas Tech and throw the ball 50 times a game and chuck the ball down the field. But when those when those opportunities present themselves, you they're not cashing in on that right now. And, you know, even in that Ohio State game last year, like obviously you won the game on the ground, but there were still portions of that game where, you know, you needed to make a throw, make a play. Cade McNamara makes a throw and a wide receiver makes a play or or what have you. And and the thing that boggles my mind is that a lot of these guys are the guys that were here last year. And even the room is enhanced because Ronnie Bell was back and, you know, you have these, these talented young freshman wide receivers. So uh, Jeremy with a $10 super chat here says hundred percent, no separation, slowing down on routes, getting jammed at the line, terrible route trees would have benched them all for the second half. It was the same four wide receivers for the entire game until six minutes left. Yeah. I was a little surprised. Last week at Rutgers, we saw the freshmen get in there a bit. And I thought that was maybe symbolic of the tide turning in terms of these are our upperclassmen guys and these are the guys that are going to be on the field. But we didn't uh, we didn't see that this week. So, yeah, I there 
a fire has to be lit under that group. And I, I don't know what it takes. Uh, you know, part of it's play calling too. I think that uh, they've had a really tough time establishing a rib- rhythm in the passing game, but yeah, it's uh, again, back to the Ronnie Bell play that. Sh- and again, we we're going to talk about the good things, but these are the questions that are rolling in, uh, you know, the Ronnie Bell play that should have been, you know, that was a touchdown. And then, you know, Andre Anthony gets credit for it, recovering the fumble. That's one of those things where it's like, you know, it was a crappy day at the office, but you salvaged some goodwill with a wide receiver making a play and he fumbles before the goal line. It's like thing. It's just like pulling teeth there right now. It's, it's hard to watch. And there's a lot of work to do there over the next couple of weeks. Again, they don't need to fundamentally change what they do offensively, but my God, when the opportunities present themselves, they've, they've talked about being an offense that takes what a defense gives them. And they're, um, this goes beyond leaving meat on the bone. It's a lack of execution and, and it's troubling. So uh, we'll see what happens there with all of that. Any thoughts on just any final thoughts on wide receivers? We're going to move on from that and get to some of the other aspects of this game. Uh, we just need to find someone that's going to make plays. I mean, the one thing that's kind of weird is as we sit here talking about the passing game, who's JJ's favorite target? I, I don't have an answer for you. And uh, that's a problem. Uh, Luke Schoonmaker. Right. <laughs> and he's not and, out there. And he's not out there. And, it's just it's it's a concern that our quarterback that now has been starting for seven weeks, we don't know who his favorite guy to throw the ball is to. That's one thing that uh, part of me thinks like behind closed doors, they need to have a really good conversation with the quarterbacks, quarterback coaches, receiver, receiver coaches, and just say, what do we like? Because right now it seems like we're throwing stuff at the wall, literally, and no one's bringing it down. And if uh, we can't find a guy that's going to make a play and impact the game, then we got to go to the next one. And I think we continue to rotate receivers and continue to cater to JJ. What does JJ want to see? What is he comfortable with? Cause he's still a young quarterback, but we need to get him more comfortable in putting balls on the right spots deep so we can make those catches. But again, receivers got to make plays. There's not going to be uncontested catches down the field all the time. You got to go get a ball. Yeah. And there's an aspect to it too, where when you run the ball as well as they do, like it would be malpractice to go away from it. But you know, these, these passing offense or these passing defenses that they've played over the last really since big 10 play outside of Iowa. I mean, everyone has been ripe for the taking. Right. And we're seeing, we're seeing teams like Nebraska who have this, I mean, they're just so talent deficient compared to the rest of the big 10 and your wide receivers are getting, are getting jammed at the line of scrimmage. Like it can't happen. It, it just, it needs to, you know, if there's going to be something that turns, you know, I'm seeing other teams, I'm seeing Georgia, hit the accelerator down the stretch. I'm seeing Tennessee bounce back with a huge win today. Uh, Alabama got itself right today. Ohio State got itself right today. And again, in the vacuum of one week, I'm not going to put too much stock into what other teams do, but it just, it, it's got to improve there. Uh, I'm, I'm a broken record there, but you know, every week I feel like it would come on here and say, oh, well, you know, gosh, missed a deep ball or two. It's got to change. So we'll, we'll roll, th- uh, roll through some questions here. There's a lot to get through a uh, quick one here from Scott Johnson. What happened to Donovan Edwards? Uh, that's a, it's, it sounded like the TV broadcast that he was banged up. Uh, the other guys are down at the press conference right now. Uh, I haven't seen an update on that quite yet. Uh, it sounds like Jim Harbaugh was a bit mum on it as he tends to be, which usually means that it's not super serious. So we'll see, uh, you know, another workman like day for Blake Corum, a quiet, you know, 162 yards, another touchdown, his 17th of the year. I mean, he is he is the heartbeat of that thing right now. C.J. Stokes with a big day, eight rushes, 68 yards. Uh, we saw Tavier Dunlap. We saw Isaiah Gash. We saw Leon Franklin. So uh, depth chart got a little bit of a workout today, but I don't think that that's too serious. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, let's go to... Here's one for you, Ryan, from Dave Mays. says, did this game tell us anything we didn't already know? I think Will Johnson might have won himself a starting corner spot uh, from the defensive side of the ball. I I think that he's a guy that has – we always knew that he was going to be a talent and tough to keep off the field, but I think he's done enough to cement his spot on the defense. Um, I also think that we're still learning, I think, about what we can do as far as – running the ball in different formations. I saw a lot more shifting. We talked earlier this year about uh, not having tight ends, flip sides, early formation. I think you saw some more dressing, which I think helps in the run game. Um, And I wouldn't say we'd learned a ton about this team. It's just the fact that they can stand up repeatedly in bully teams in the trenches is 
such a blessing and and such a cool thing to have that brand of football and i don't know i take tremendous pride in playing for a team that right now everybody recognizes is one of the most physical teams in the country there's something that just makes you stand up a little bit straighter and walk with your chest out that we're the most physical team in the country and people outside of the big 10 have taken note yeah i want to go to this one from shane johnson uh two dollar super chat i know it was came a little bit earlier it says uh, Michigan is now the number one total defense in the country. And shout out to Jesse Minter. I mean, yeah, this was uh, Nebraska was missing their starting quarter uh, quarterback. Uh, the quarterback that they did start, Chubba Purdy, is not a good thrower, and then he gets knocked out of the game. Logan Smothers, probably even less of a talented thrower. Uh, just that Nebraska, and then you lose. I think in the sn- in the span of maybe two or three snaps, they lost their starting quarterback for this game and their offensive coordinator. Uh, after taking a shot on the sideline there. So, I mean, this is what it's supposed like to talk about good things. Uh, let, let's go there. This is what it's supposed to look like defensively against a team like this. Uh, I, I know people probably still want to see more sacks more pressure, but uh, Nebraska had 146 total yards, Ryan. That's, that's exactly what this is supposed to look like against a team that fired its head coach in September and has been all out of sorts throughout the year. And I think going back to that previous comment, Jesse Minter deserves a lot of credit to be able to, I think our secondary is much more advanced than I think, at least I thought they were going to be coming into this season. I thought you'd see a couple leaky plays here and there, guys getting beat every now and again. It happens, uh, especially when you play an aggressive style defense, but um, our secondary has been so solid in coverage. I mean, today specifically, I know Purdy wasn't the best quarterback in the world, but how many times did he have to pull the ball down because the coverage was just too good downfield and he has to scramble and that's ended up what got him hurt. Uh, so I think our secondary has really been a surprise to me how strong they are as a unit and consistent. No one's been able to take advantage of them yet. Obviously they have the biggest test of the year coming up at the end of the season. Um, but Jesse Minter has done a tra- fantastic job. There's a lot of guys contributing on defense. I feel like we have depth Uh, throughout almost all the positions on defense. Michigan defense looks great. It looked good last year, but looks great this year, and it looks like the future's bright. So uh, I'm really excited to see uh, and hopefully hold on to Coach Minter and see what year two defense under Minter will look like. Absolutely. A question here from Brian Cartwright. What's wrong with Mike Morris? I didn't didn't see the play happen live. I just saw him down on the field. It it looked like he got kind of leg whipped by his own teammate. I don't know if that's what you saw on the broadcast, Ryan. I think we're having some technical difficulties here. Anthony Broom's going to join us back shortly. There he is. Here. Sorry. I don't know what's <laughs> cut out for a second. You got to play host for a second. Hey, I was trying. I started to sweat immediately. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think – I mean, the question's up on the screen, but what did you uh... – I saw the same thing. Uh, yeah, it yeah. looked like someone came in, going to the ground, caught Mike with a leg whip. Didn't look too serious. Um, I, I think it's something that probably hurt in the moment, but – he'll be fine. And back to the Donovan Edwards conversation, I was worried about him a little bit, but you watch him on the sidelines and stuff. There's times he's jumping up. He's, he seems like he's healthy. We're just holding him back. There was no reason to, to put him at risk. And to be honest, one little criticism, I don't know that Mike Morris should have been out there at that time uh, in order to you know preserve him for what's coming here at the end of the season, but he seems fine. And the fact that he jogged off the field, I, I'm encouraged. I think you'll see Mike Morris healthy. Yeah, I, I don't see a concern there. Uh, I was rambling through that while my, I just see the spinning ring of death here on the screen uh, there for a few minutes. But uh, yeah, thanks for holding that down here. We'll keep going along. We got to the Mike Morris. See, now I have to catch up. This is what happens when we do stuff live. Let's go back to, I guess we're going to go back to the offensive conversation. Anthony Spencer says, there there is a catch 22. The starting wide receivers are so pivotal to the run game. If they just throw all new guys in there, it'll disrupt their bread and butter. Well, that's the thing. We talk about that all the time. Like in order for you to like a prerequisite to get on the field is blocking. But then I also like there was a couple plays today where uh, wide receivers are out front on a block and, and Roman Wilson just kind of throws his arms out and doesn't do anything. And so it's like the guys that are out there aren't always holding up their end of the bargain either. So that is obviously a catch 22. It, it's why you can't just, flip to four new guys out there at one time, but yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to challenge that. The reason I say that is they were more pivotal at the beginning of the year. We threw a lot more bubbles, a lot more tunnels, a lot more uh, flares to the running backs and the receivers blocks were pivotal at that point. Today, specifically, I want to say Blake Corum 
85, 90% of his yardage came between the tackles and the receivers weren't contributing in those blocks. And I, I think they were more pivotal than the beginning of this game. And they also got to consider we don't have four receivers out there. We got two, you know, most of the time because we've got our tight ends in. So uh, I would say that the receivers being rotated shouldn't have as big of an impact on the run game as you may think. And I still think that the real catch 22 is dropping back to pass and getting into second and 10. And everybody knows we're going to have second and 10 and give it to quorum because that all also telegraphs our offense. So if we're going to drop back and pass or roll out and pass, we need to be successful on first down. Otherwise there's no point in going to it. Yeah. And let's, let's call a spade a spade too. Like Michigan, Michigan isn't a service Academy and they don't run the triple option their wide receivers need to be able to to catch the football and to create separation and to get open. And guys aren't doing that uh, enough right now. And, you know, as it pertains to JJ McCarthy and where he is in all this, I think that, you know, right now he's a little bit rattled. We've seen that the last couple of weeks. I didn't think he was sharp last week, even though I think he was a little better than the stat line set against Rutgers. But uh, this week was uh, not good. And there were some frustrations there. And I think it is, it is incumbent on, Sharon Moore and and Matt Weiss and Jim Harbaugh and everyone who has their their hands in the cookie jar, so to speak, in, in developing what this thing looks like to get this guy back into rhythm. It's with the bubble screen stuff that we haven't seen since. I feel like I haven't seen a bubble screen called in six weeks. Or... Roman Wilson was taking every other one to the house. Yeah, I mean, he scored what on his first, you know, four touchdowns on like his first five touches of the season. That stuff has completely gone away. And I know that the competition level has gotten cranked up a little bit, but you know, it's everyone's looking for their pound of flesh and who to blame. And is it the play callers? It's, is it the the quarterback? Is it the wide receivers? To me, if I had to rank it, like right now it's wide receivers. Uh, if you want, I say play caller and quarterback are interchangeable because JJ's missed on a couple of these throws, but yeah, it, it is uh Again, I don't think anyone's played well enough in any area to warrant, you know, just this blind faith that they're they deserve to be out there all the time. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't think J- there's a question here. Is uh, is it outlandish to say JJ is the weak link in the offense when our receivers actually do get good separation? JJ can't make the throw. Um, your wide receivers don't get separation enough. I mean, to me, it's pretty clear that the weak link right now is that wide receiver room and. To be frank, over the last couple of weeks, your quarterback is probably part of that too. Uh, just call it what it is. Uh, this was an interesting one. I want your thoughts on this, Ryan. What's up with the clock management at the end of the first half? I mean, is there any – am I missing out on what the strategy is there? I was just thinking that we're fine to concede and get three points, and that was kind of what their mindset was when they crossed the 50 because there was a minute 30 on the clock, and we're still calling in t- inside run plays with no potential of that running back getting out of bounds, even if that's a successful run play. So that was something that I noticed was that, all right, we're playing for the field goal because we want the ball in the second half. And against a Nebraska team who has a quarterback down, an offensive coordinator that's not coming back to the field because he's in the tent, I can understand that. Uh, I don't know that I'd feel that same way in an Ohio State game or in a game where the offenses are battling. But in that position, we're going to build Jake Moody up a little bit. He had a little shake not shakiness, but little shakiness, we'll call it, at, at Rutgers. So uh, I, I don't have an issue with it, but it's definitely uh, taking the slider and moving all the way to the conservative side because we're just going to kick this field goal and milk the clock out. Jeremy with a 499 super chat here. Appreciate that. Folks, if you want to get in, uh, bump yourself to the front of the line for questions, shout-outs on the air, use that donate feature below, and we'll get you to the front of the queue here. Uh, Jeremy says, agree on the JJ take. You don't throw the ball over 15 yards downfield the first eight weeks. Then you just start throwing bombs. Well, I mean, they've taken their shots in games. Um, you know, they took shots in his very first start. The difference is that Roman Wilson can just blow by, you know, a Hawaii defender. But when someone jams you with the line of scrimmage, uh, you got to counter. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. So, yeah, it's, you know, I don't, I don't believe that. Don't believe that because in order to get better at things, you have to execute them and you have to put them on film. And, you know, unless there's some, I'll put it to you this way, what you see in these games and Ryan, you could, I don't know if you could back me up on this or not. Like what you see on Saturday is the result of what you did Monday through Friday. And 
what I saw on the field offensively Saturday outside of running the football, because that's a constant that's always there for them is I don't know that the passing game had a very good week of practice is, am I off on that? No, I would agree with you. And that's something that I would like to, you know, address with the comment is I agree that we haven't thrown the ball down the field. And I was kind of one of the ones shaking my fist that let's get a, let's get some balls downfield just to stretch some defenses. So quorum opens up, even if we're not connecting, but we should be doing those in practice. There's no way that in all the hours of practice that we're not taking some time running some deep routes. But the problem is there's no contact on those routes in practice. Those routes are smooth and uninhibited. And then you get into a game situation and your hands are cold, you're jammed at the line and you know, JJ's just a little off there. There, there does need to be some blame spent that way. There was one time in particular, this game in the first half where we lined up under center, they're in press coverage. Their safety is only 10 yards deep and no one around. And I, we end up uh, play action, throw the deep ball, but he threw it to the inside shoulder where the defender was, not the outside shoulder. And it's one of those things that, like, this guy, five-star, he should know that. It's not throw it in the vicinity of where the receiver's at. It's put it in a good position away from the defender. And to be honest, not to be that guy that comes and talks about Cade McNamara, but that's what McNamara did really well. McNamara was a talented guy when it comes to throwing the ball in a place where only his guys could get to it. The defender had no chance at it. And I feel like that's something that's missing with JJ. He's putting the ball downfield, but where he's putting it in placement wise is there's more to be, uh, there's more to be desired. And uh, I, part of that, I think is that the receivers aren't open, but at the same time, the receivers not being open doesn't mean that you don't place the ball properly. And that's something that I'm hoping with maturity, more time, he's going to get better at. The problem that I see is that I'm not seeing any steps forward through the last three, four games. And you would think with the more experience, you would get better. And it kind of seems like not only are we not trending that way, I think we're getting a little bit worse. Yeah. And it's, again, you're, you're running out of time here. I, I know that's, you know, that week of, this is the one thing, again, we'll, we'll turn back into a positive is that, I think this team plays up to its competition uh, and a game like today, you know, you, I'll say sort of plays down, but just didn't execute enough uh, in, in this game that, you know, I'm confident that they'll be ready to play Ohio state, but I just need to see a little bit more. That's all. Uh, you know, last year there was that game right before the Ohio state game where they go to Maryland and they win, I think it was 59, 18. And you walk out of that game and you're like, you know what? I think this team's ready to go. You're going to get Illinois next week. And, Illinois has lost two straight now and no longer controls their destiny in the Big Ten West. But uh, Chase Brown also got hurt today. I don't know how competitive a game that's going to be, but I I need to see a clean, decisive victory next week because Ohio State's not coming coming to Ann Arbor in two weeks. You're going down there, and, and that team is pissed off that you that you ended their win streak last year. And again, I know that uh, there's just so much more that. I feel like throughout the course of this year, I'm just waiting for this Michigan team to hit that other gear. Defense has been outstanding run game elite. Uh, Both of those among the best in the country, but there, there are just these small little solar flares where you sit here and you go, I think this team can be really good, but, and it's getting, it's getting to be time where those, those, some of those things start to get short up. So running out of time to do it though. Ryan. So, uh, we have a question here from Katie Bird who says, does anyone have any updates on Luke Schoonmaker? Will he be back for the game? I think there's a chance he's back next week. I, I certainly think he'll be ready for, for the Ohio state game. Uh, shout out to Colston Loveland, who I thought played very well. Reminds me of a, a, a young Jake butt out there. Just when you look at, you know, his, his aptitude and finding ways to get open and okay, here's a positive play action i saw a little bit more of that this week and it seems like when they went to it that was when michigan had its its most positive passing yardage and and steps forward there and and all the analytics say that that they're they've been elite in that area so i'm surprised that we haven't seen more of that but uh colston loveland i mean talk about next man up in the in the tight end room he was i thought he was pretty good today absolutely and i mean we're still missing Eric all, which I know we're not getting him back this year, but this is now our third tight end. That is honestly, he probably made the best play. One of the best plays as a receiver for JJ McCarthy, even though it was a short route, it was a bad ball that he caught, got downfield, made a first down. 
um, you know, he, he was targeted, he made his play. And that's what we need from any receiver, tight end receiver, running back. But that's what we need uh, just to complement this aggressive and dominant run game. And uh, again, another guy that excited about where he blossoms and what he blossoms into in the future, because I think he's got a lot of tools to be a weapon and a matchup issue for teams moving forward. Yeah. Uh, I want to address some of the, some of the uh, criticism here. Uh, Brian Block says 97% of the country would be thrilled with 10 and 0 an unstoppable run game and a shutdown defense, but every play is considered against the game. Enjoy the wins. They'll figure things out. I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, the thing about this team is that they have been so dominant all year. Like wins like this have been the norm. So it's almost like you do kind of nitpick and do take things for granted. And I'll, you know, hand up, I think I'm guilty of that here, but um, you know, and someone else says uh, Adam Shepherdson says letting perfect be the enemy of the good. We are fine. I'm, 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 I hope I don't come off as chicken little saying that the sky is falling down. I think even with everything we've seen about this football team, I, I still give them, you know, it's, it's about, a, I still think it's a coin flip. You go down to Columbus and win. I think they have the ingredients to do it again. I think that there are things that they are. I do think there are things they are holding back for that game, especially, you know, as it pertains to maybe trick plays or looks we haven't seen or JJ McCarthy being more of a factor in the QB run game. Uh, his touchdown today, I thought was, again, we talked about creative creativity and some different looks down there. Another good look. I liked, I liked that play down there. So yeah, I, I, I I'll go back and listen to it and probably kick myself for sounding like Mr. Negative Nancy, but I just feel like, you know, Ryan, it's, it's sort of our duty to come here and say, take the good with the bad. And when we have, when I've got uh, producer Hutch puts 10 questions in the chat that says, you know, people are asking about JJ McCarthy and deep balls and wide receivers. We're going to talk about what you guys are talking about. So that's just kind of where we're at with that. I think this team is a playoff team right now. I think they're deserving of where they're at. I would still have them 2A, 2B with Ohio State. They're going to play for the right to go to the go to the playoff. It's a shame that uh, it's a shame that someone has to come out of the Big Ten West and and that that division is an affront to the sport of football. But yeah, I, I don't want to get uh, I don't want to get things twisted here. Like I'm I'm very if this is the, if this is a C plus performance or this is a performance where we're talking about meat left on the bone you still win by 30 points you take that and you don't apologize for it um, so yeah i mean it's i i can't it's tough to, for me to be any more impressed with this team which is why i think maybe that's where some of the tone comes from and being i won't say let down but just you know like to see some things get better I, I will do the same thing that you said and i'm thrilled to be 10 and 0 for the first time since 2006 i'm giddy and trying not to get ahead of myself, but I'm exci so excited to go down to Columbus. And for me, I came to Michigan in 2007, and one of the solidifying things that I knew I made the right decision, I'd already committed in that, was that 2006, one versus two, Troy Smith, Sean Crable, Lamar Woodley, uh, Beanie Wells, that, that one versus two game in Columbus in 2006, one of my favorite football games, although it didn't go in our way, one of my favorite football games I've ever seen in my life. And that's what's going to happen, I feel like, in 2022 when we go down to Columbus. So it may not be one versus two, but it'll be two versus three, and all the marbles will be on the table. I think that the reason that I'm so concerned about the receiving core and the lack of big plays and impact plays from the receiving core is – We've had such a comfortable season of being up or even with other opponents. Ohio State's one of the only opponents that I worry about in the big, not just in the Big Ten, in the country, that could get out to a two-score lead on us potentially, and that's where I start getting worried. Of okay, so where do we go from there if we get, end up in the second half needing to come back in Columbus? We won't come back without an impact receiver or at least a receiver making an impact in the game. Maybe not an impact receiver per se, but that, that's going to be a necessary part of this offense. And then if you get into the playoff picture, I think so, too. The other thing that I, I think just irks me slightly is that our running game is so good. There's not a defensive coordinator that we play against that isn't telling their team number two, number two, circle number two. We're going to target number two. That's their guy that should open up the passing game. And that should, you know, that should blow the top off for us that they're committing so many people to the run 
and yet it doesn't. And so there's part of me that thinks like, yeah, we might have a Ferrari that's winning races, but it's not running on all the cylinders that it could be. So uh, the, the, there's a part of me that just wants to see the entire offense click. And who knows? It, it very well could for the Ohio State game. But there's a very glaringly obvious uh, something missing. And we would love to have that piece because I think we have a really good shot at one winning the big 10, but also competing in the national championship. I think Georgia's had his shoulders above everybody else. And then it's a scramble for number two. And I think that's where we should be, could be, and maybe are, but just got to get that passing game developed. Yeah. And my thing too, Ryan, is that this team set four goals for itself ahead of the season. It was beat Michigan state, beat Ohio state, win a big 10 title, win a national title. And in everything you do and, and every, everything they prepare for, it's held to the standard of, you know, can you accomplish those four things? Uh, I think they can, as is, I mean, they have to play better and be, and hit on some of these more, op- these, these passing game opportunities. But I think as is, as constructed, I think you can beat Ohio state again. I truly believe that, but I, at some point too, you know, it becomes, it's not like you want a bit, you want to win the big 10, obviously you want to get back to the playoff. But I, I think also the conversation, if you're going to stay in this national title kind of conversation is that, you know, if, if Michigan is able to get into the playoff, how like the, you're going to be playing like Georgia, Georgia's going to be able to, to slow down at the very least, slow down your run game and they won't get bullied by your offensive line. And that's when you do have to kind of do some other things. And, and it's, it's about, I have to choose my words carefully here because there's nothing more important with this program than beating Ohio state and winning the big 10. But I also think that you can, it's okay to think a little bigger and want a little more too. And there, there are just, there are some areas and even, uh, you know, if you want me to go to the other side of the ball and nitpick, you know, I think that DJ Turner can play better at cornerback. He had a couple plays made on him today. And, you know, there are at times where I know the run defense has been so good uh, throughout the year. It's the best run defense in college football, but there are times where teams have gone away from that a little too early. And I don't know. It's, I don't want to sit here and just do the nitpick show, but I guess my point is, is that don't, don't be afraid. Like, 10 and 0 is great and and they deserve to be there. This team hasn't played a close game all season long. I don't think it's the I don't I think you can have both things and be happy with where they're at and also be a lit a, a little bit concerned or maybe not concerned but have question marks about what comes next. I think it's possible to do both things. Yeah, I think so too. I think the, that you can be happily married to this team and still want to improve your relationship. There's nothing wrong with that. And I'm very happily married to this Michigan football team and uh, I'm enjoying the success that they're having. But with that being said, I do see potential for even better from this team. And I think that's what everybody sees. And that's one of the things that's why you play the game is there's, if there's a perfect football team, I'd love for you to point them out, but there's always something that you can improve tweak and get better at. And one of the things that I feel like this team has is so few weaknesses that it's easy to get on a show like this and have all the comments be based on one thing offensively or even defensively. And it's a blessing to be in this position of 10 and 0 and picking apart the team. But at the same time, I don't see anything wrong with trying to find ways for this team to maximize its current potential. Cause there's more to this offense and what we've seen. Yeah. And I already like, don't get me wrong. I think, you know, I have nothing but good things to say about, the shows we come on and do here, but yeah, there's already, there is a bit of me that feels a little bit gross for spending so much time on nitpicks during this show. But again, when you're a program of Michigan's caliber, I think that you can, you know, they're happy with the win and, and obviously we're happy with the win, but breaking things down and just speaking objectively about it there, like you said, there are always always ways to get better. So uh, something else I do want to update here is, uh, the U of M police did just release a statement uh, going back to something that happened a couple weeks ago uh, that in conjunction with Michigan state police or Michigan state university police, they've completed their investigation of the tunnel incident and have forwarded their findings to the Washtenaw County prosecutor's office for review. So 
no other updates until uh, the prosecutor makes a decision on what's going on. But I know people have been asking about that too. Hopefully this is something that is just wrapped up soon. You don't want this to linger any longer. Would hate for it to be a distraction, you know, during say Ohio state week or whatever it is. But uh, that is a, an update to something that just came out as we were on the air. So we do have, we can take a couple, uh, a couple more questions here. Uh, I would love to take some, some positive questions. Uh, I'll take a comment here from Rashad because it's stroking my ego. Uh, Anthony is okay to nitpick in this situation. Michigan has bigger fish to fry, but can't and won't reach those goals with a shoddy passing game, especially if they fall down two touchdowns. That's the other thing too, is we haven't seen this team have to really play from behind and what happens when they have to say, abandon the passing game. So I don't think, you know, a game, you know, being concerned by a lack of X, like if they play Ohio state and Ohio state's secondary, just kind of, you know, it's physical with the receivers and it takes them out of the game. Like, okay, tip of the hat to you. Your guys are as talented as Michigan's guys. I, I can't, I can't sit here and sing the praises of the offense as a whole when you're getting jammed by guys from Nebraska or last week at Rutgers or things like that. So again, bigger fish to fry. I think that's a great way to put it. Uh, a couple more comments here. I'll also jump in just to say expectation by position. Michigan has yeah. a tradition of excellent receivers. Braylon Edwards has set the table. Uh, you know, we can go, we can go through the list of great receivers that we've had in the past 20 years. We need a good receiver at a Michigan team. That's just part of the part of the game and part of the team, part of the brand. There's an expectation by position. So even as a former player, I know I've got the group chats and the receipts to prove it, that as former players, we're looking for someone to emerge as a receiver because Michigan has a legacy of having talented receivers. And right now, no one jumps off the page at you. Yeah. Andre Anthony's wearing the number one jersey. Had a touchdown tonight, though. So anyone who had that in a prop uh, in Vegas – that paid out for you. So shout out to uh shout out to him there. Uh, again, deep routes, the, the deep ball missed another one to him. Uh looked like he kind of stopped running his route, like three quarters of the way through. I'll have to go back and watch it on film. But uh, this one's from Ken Zoll who says, do you guys think OSU is going to be able to stop Michigan's run game? It's they're going to, they're going to try. I mean, they're going to throw everything they can at it. I think that Michigan's offensive line, I'd still give them the edge in that game, even in Columbus. I mean, Michigan's been able to to run the ball at Kinnick Stadium. They've been able to run the ball on Penn State. They've been able to run the ball in every single configuration this year. So until someone's able to stop it, I'm giving them the advantage in that matchup because that's – didn't see Ohio State do it last year, and I don't know that they're that much more well-equipped to do it this year. I don't see them as being able to, to stop our run game. They might be able to put a little bit more of a cap on it than anybody else has. But I was really encouraged about our ability to potentially run against Ohio State when I watched last week Ohio State play Northwestern in the windy city of Chicago. And you know defensively Northwestern's not going to throw the football. They're going to run it at us. And even though they knew Northwestern was running the football at them, they still kind of struggled to slow them down and stop them. And Northwestern's run game is not Michigan's run game. Uh, I think that Ohio State is a victim of their own offense when it comes to what they practice against, against the spread, against the receivers, against dropback passes. They don't practice the inside run game like Michigan practices the inside run game. And as much as they may think that they're prepared for it, I think that they are going to be in for a long day in Columbus, however the score ends up going, because we are going to try and run the football, and I don't know that they can bow their necks and, and stop it uh, the way they're expecting to. Yeah, Adam Shepardson is is calling a shot. He says Michigan runs for 250-plus in the game, so I'd like to see that. Malik Hayes says A.J. Henning is just a punt returner now. No reverses come on. That's the other thing. Uh, again, not gonna just a quick point. Not a lot of the – the pre-snap stuff, the bubble screens, the jet sweeps, that was those were kind of, uh, you know, you have that pre-snap motion. It, it moves the defender, and you get to see kind of where your matchups are a little more clearly. I've, I've been surprised we haven't seen more of that, and I don't necessarily believe that's all just playing possum for OSU. Part of it could be, I mean, I'm sure, you know, they'll just light, they'll light their previous game plans on fire and, and, and go from scratch, but they're they're still going to want to do what they they've been doing. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Got time for a few more here. Uh, Adam Shepardson back to you 
This is Mason Graham, a freshman All-American. That's Ryan Van Bergen's guy. So mm-hmm. give him some love, Ryan. <laughs> he just he for a freshman to play defensive tackle is such an amazing feat because physically to be the level developed that you need to be in order to hold your own and run games and then get some movement on pass games. I can't imagine going in there as an 18-year-old doing it. I mean, even Brandon Graham, a five-star linebacker out of Detroit who put too much weight on and then ended up playing nose guard his freshman year at Michigan. Even he really didn't impact the game like Mason Graham has. Uh, I'm really excited about him. I'm really excited about Baby Mozzie. I always forget his name, but I I feel like he's another guy that is just another talented defensive tackle. And that's a position, if you guys have been listening for more than one year, I've been on here talking about the defensive tackle position as a weakness of our team for a long time. And I'm so comfortable sitting here now talking about our defensive tackles because we've got great ones now. We've got great ones up and coming we've addressed the issue and it's obviously made an impact on how our defense performs so i love mason graham if there's a better freshman defensive tackle in the country i'd like to see who it is because i feel like he uh and he's playing behind some great guys but he when he's in the game he makes an impact he's done it repeatedly really like this guy really excited about where he's going to be uh with the future of the program yeah and the way that they flipped it so quickly has been Probably the most impressive thing. I mean, two years ago, really even, what was it, three years ago, they're lining Ben Mason up on the goal line as a defensive tackle. Like, they've come so far from there. And uh, credit to Sean Nua, who's no longer with the program, but uh, they'll bring in guys like Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton last year and Chris Jenkins, Rayshon Benny. Uh, I think they've got a pair of really good freshmen and Mason Graham. And Kenneth Grant is going to be a guy too. So, like I said, uh, cannot speak – that defense in general, I mean, they're so they're so good. It's boring now in games like these, and that's the highest compliment you could pay them. If you want to, you know, if you want me to go out on a high note here, uh, this was a Michigan defense that smothered. No pun intended. Nebraska's quarterback's name was Smothers. Uh, that they just they didn't let. You know, they haven't. This is the thing that has impressed me most about the defense, and we can get out of here on this one, Ryan. Is that they haven't. Outside of Keon Coleman uh, grabbing a couple of those 50-50 balls in the Michigan State game, we haven't really seen the offenses that Michigan has gone up against have an uncharacteristically good day doing something. Um, So that's, I mean, shout out to Jesse Minter for that. Mike Elston, George Hilo, uh, uh, Steve Klinkscale. I'm I'm forgetting Jay Harbaugh with the safeties. Those guys are are doing the work every single week, and it is so damn impressive. And it's it's actually borderline criminal that it took me you know forty seven minutes to to talk about that. But uh, that's that's your game ball again today is 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 those guys and, and what they've done week in and week out. This is this is one thousand percent a better defense than last year. I think they're coached better. No offense to Mike McDonald, they make better adjustments. I think their talent is better across the roster across the depth chart. Let's. Uh, Ryan, sing their praises, and then we'll we'll close up shop here. Defense wins championships, and that's something that I feel like everybody offense puts people in the seat. Defense wins championships, and any good team, any good team that's going to win their Big Ten or win their conference championship, compete for a chance in the playoff, all of them are going to have good defenses. And I think that Michigan's defense gets a little bit overlooked because. One, we don't do the best job generating turnovers. That's the one area where we lack. So you don't see us scoring on defense um, and and having those types of plays. But the limiting, the non-sexy stuff, the limiting big plays, the uh, getting off the field on third down, uh, first down wins. The amount of time we win on first down is crazy. We are always at second and nine, second and ten. No one's ahead of the chains on us ever. Uh, and that's just first and 10 is the hardest defensive play call. You may not know that watching as a fan first and 10 is the hardest play call that you'll call because there's the whole list is available to you. And for us to win on first down so consistently, you would never notice it, but it's such a tremendous uh, kudos to the, to the guys out there playing. Um, and I, I just, I think that defensively, we're going to see our biggest test with Ohio state, but I think that this defense is better equipped than last year's defense to play the game. And I think that you'll see a more positive performance defensively even than last year. And last year was plenty good to, to get the win, obviously. So uh, super excited about this defense. I think there's a lot of NFL talent and stars out here that people don't realize because they don't have the, the star power yet. But these guys are going to be playing on Sundays. And uh, there's a tradition of excellence that's been built at Michigan, kind of had some tarnished years here and there. But um, 
right now, the current looks good and the future looks better. As I feel a bit guilty of during this podcast tonight, but hasn't been done in 16 years. Uh, doesn't happen a lot. I mean, it just hasn't happened a ton in the history of Michigan football, at least recently. So embrace that. Uh, you know, you can have, you can have it both ways. I mean, Ryan put it best. Uh, he, he is, he is firmly married to this program, married to this team. Uh, but gosh, darn it. There are some things you can improve on too. And, and the reason that you do kind of fixate on that is because you know, the potential is there to be something else. Um, you know, we're not, you know, hold, nobody's holding them to this impossible standard, uh, holding them to the standard that they've set. And I think even they would tell you that they've missed, they've missed some opportunities uh, in some of these games to make them a little bit uglier, but yeah, I mean, this is uh, uh, 22 and, you know, Michigan's 22 and three, I think now, over the last two years under Jim Harbaugh, just, uh, or I'm sorry, is it 20, 22 and two math is hard. Um, this is a, th- th- yeah, this, yeah, especially <laughs> I don't have a Michigan degree like Ryan does. So um, I went to a party school, but yeah, don't take this for granted. This is uh, these are the type of seasons that put you in that conversation with the Georgias, the Alabamas. And even, you know, if you want to hold yourself to the Georgia standard, fine. Look how many years, you know, it took time for them to get to the playoff a couple of times and crack the code and figure things out and unlock what they're going to be. So like, just enjoy the ride right now. I think that the fact that there is some nitpicking on the show and the comments with the fan base, whatever it is, I think it speaks to you having a higher standard for your football program. And that is, it's a beautiful thing because higher standards mean high, high expectations and high accomplishments. So one last $5 shout out from Dave Mays. It says, great job, guys. Go blue. We appreciate you, Dave. Uh, appreciate everyone who has joined us here uh, on the Wolverine.com post game show. Uh, be sure to like the video below. Be sure to subscribe to the channel for more videos. Uh, Chris Ballas and Doug Skeen will be live on Sunday night. Uh, uh, three of us, uh, Chris Ballas, Clayton Safey, and myself will be back Monday. Uh, John Borton and Tom Crawford on Tuesday. EJ's recruiting show Wednesday. And then week from today, um, Ryan and I will probably be doing a show about this time. We'll see what kick time looks like for the Illinois game. But we'll be doing this show next week, nitpicking the crap out of another game and, and asking ourselves if it's good enough to beat Ohio state. So uh, Ryan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Producer Hutch, thank you for all you do for us behind the scenes. Thank you to Lewis jewelers uh, for being our sponsor. Michigan wins 34, three over Nebraska covers the big spread. I don't know if I cover, if I even said that at all, but Michigan was a 30 point favorite, but yeah, workman like uh, another game where it's just another, another notch on the belt. Two weeks from tonight, we'll be doing an Ohio State postgame show, and I'm either looking at booking a reservation for St. Elmo's or I'm sitting on, sitting on my hands and, and thumbing through bowl projections. We'll see what happens from there. But uh, thank you guys for, for watching. We'll talk to you again soon.